Hello and welcome back to the Energy Central Power Perspectives podcast, the show that brings in thought leaders across the utility space to learn more about the latest challenges and trends defining the energy systems across the country and shaping our future. And a quick thank you to Wes Monroe, our sponsor of today's show. Now, let's talk energy. I'm Jason Price, Energy Central Podcast host and director with West Monroe, coming to you from New York City. Once again, I'm joined from Orlando, Florida by Matt Chester, podcast producer and Energy Central Community Manager. Matt, this July, the focus on Energy Central is energy efficiency, and specifically the latest developments, innovations, and barriers in what we are calling Energy Efficiency 2.0. In addition to some great articles and webinars, we're also interviewing utilities and service providers on next generation energy efficiency practices. Matt, if you don't mind, please share with our listeners what to look for during this month of energy efficiency at Energy Central. No problem, Jason. So the energy efficiency special issue from Energy Central it's set to go live the same week as this podcast, actually. So the, the special issue will drop on July 28th. And specifically, we've asked the community to highlight how they're managing the future of energy efficiency. What are their pain points? What are the exciting new technologies? Where are the unique opportunities and more? So that all that content is going to be coming in and going live all this week. And from a podcast perspective, we've already heard from Larry Rush of Avant Grid as he dove into as you said, Energy Efficiency 2.0, as well as Rudy Garza, the interim CEO of CPS Energy, as he highlighted their Sustainable Tomorrow Energy Plan. So this episode, I, th I think, is definitely going to be the, the cherry on top of our efficiency-related podcasts for July. That's great, Matt. So as we seek to celebrate the power of energy efficiency today, and more importantly, set our expectations for what the future of energy efficiency programs across the utilities can look like, we're welcoming on today's show a key guest guiding this industry movement. Today on Power Perspectives is Rebecca Foster, the CEO of VEIC, originally known as Vermont Energy Investment Corporation, and most widely known for their operations of the Efficiency Vermont program. Today, VEIC is national in its focus these days. As a nonprofit for the past 35 years, VEIC has brought energy efficiency consulting and expertise to power companies across the United States, including key programs in DC, Ohio, Delaware, and more. And Rebecca has been part of that mission for over 11 years, working in various different aspects of the VEIC mission before being named CEO in 2021. Before that, Rebecca had a career dedicated to clean energy, and so she is as passionate and mission-driven about the work VEIC is doing as you would expect. Today, we're excited for her to share with us an overview of the state of the U.S. utility energy efficiency, and even more importantly, what we can and should hope for in the future. Rebecca, welcome to the Energy Central Power Perspectives podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Rebecca, VEIC is uniquely positioned in the utility space. So I'd love if you could start by giving the elevator pitch for those who aren't familiar with the work you do and some history and background of your organization. Of course. So I'll start by saying that VEIC is laser focused on bringing innovation and equity into our work on decarbonization across the country. It's just part of our DNA. 
And that's been the case since we were founded in 1986 as a nonprofit with the goal of improving people's lives through clean energy. And for the first 15 years or so, VEIC existed as a consulting shop, and we worked around the country on clean energy programs. But all that changed when Efficiency Vermont was created in 2000, and we successfully won the role of implementer of that work statewide. That gave us the opportunity to scale up the innovative programmatic ideas that we had been offering through our consulting services and really meet the unique needs of the businesses and residents of Vermont which is a rural state with a large low-income population and a strong conservation ethic. After years of operating Efficiency Vermont, we earned a reputation for success and innovation, and then we took large-scale programs to very different markets. The District of Columbia, working with the Department of Energy and Environment to implement the DC Sustainable Energy Utility, and also to the Midwest, working with American Municipal Power to implement the Efficiency Smart Program across their territory. Today, we have a staff of over 300 across the country. We work in about 25 states at any given time, and we really pride ourselves on continuing to push the envelope on decarbonization and equity in everything that we do. You know, one thing we say is that at VEIC, we don't just look to the future, we live and work in it every day. For sure. So policy and regulation often plays a key driving role in new efficiency programs as well. So how does VEIC fit into those policymaking processes? Well, we work in the policy arena in several different ways. Where we are the large-scale program implementer, such as in D.C. and in Vermont, we work with policymakers constantly to identify where the current statutes and regulations may fall short in terms of meeting the needs that we're seeing on the ground. And that's led to innovations like new program performance metrics outside of the electricity sector for things like greenhouse gas reduction and green jobs and deep energy retrofits. But in addition to that, we also work through our consulting practice to provide input on proposed policies across the country. And in that work, what we're typically trying to do is share what we've learned through our implementations, you know, what we've learned works well and what doesn't, and also increase the focus on greenhouse gas reduction and serving vulnerable communities in states across the country. And so there's two tracks to our policy work, I would say. That's very helpful. So as a leader in the energy efficiency space, I wanna give you the floor to comment on the state of energy efficiency programs across the country. Where do you see programs stand today? And how have you seen them evolve? And can you call out any states that you would describe as market leaders, as well as those who may be laggards? Well, I would say it's a challenging and exciting time for efficiency programs right now. Challenging because the programs of the past are fading as new codes and standards take effect. And I see many program administrators asking what's next and, and maybe not having great answers for that question. But it's also a really exciting time because those changes are forcing innovation and they're forcing new ways of reaching customers. They're breaking down silos and we're seeing things like core energy efficiency programs start to merge with renewables programs or with storage programs or with demand response and flexible load management programs. And that is incredibly exciting. I won't name the laggards, I don't want to get in trouble, but I will say that uh, the leaders that I see are, you know, the District of Columbia, California, Hawaii, Vermont, you know, those are all great examples of leaders. VEIC works in each of those states. What I think really distinguishes them is that those states have recognized that yesterday's efficiency programs can be pivoted to provide the most cost-effective greenhouse gas reductions out there. You know, policymakers in each of those states really see efficiency programs for what they are, 
which is existing program delivery vehicles with the infrastructure, the know-how, the systems, the people in place to meet the challenge of today, which is climate change. So those are very exciting states to be working in and BEIC is very proud of the work that we've done in those areas. Rebecca, I want to talk more about that pivot you mentioned. So we've seen utility efficiency programs focus on the easy wins, right? More efficient appliances, turning off lights, switching to CFL and LEDs. Today, though, efficiency programs are able to do more complex and nuanced programs. What are some of the goals of efficiency programs today, and what are the new opportunities available to reach them? Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. You know, it's understandable that many efficiency programs have focused on those easy wins. You know, that's where we've come from as an industry. And like you said at the start, I've worked in energy efficiency and clean energy my whole career. So I have been part of those programs. I've seen the real benefits they provide. But looking at where we are today, when I see portfolios with only those easy win programs, what I see now are lost opportunities to go deeper and deliver the full value of clean energy. And while policy goals can really vary from state to state, what VEIC is seeing in the leading states where we work is we're seeing this pivot to efficiency programs to meet new climate and equity goals also. So I'll give you some examples. First, in the District of Columbia, we are standing up a new program with the Department of Energy and Environment and the DC Green Bank to help owners of multifamily affordable housing comply with the district's building energy performance standards. So this effort really brings together a policy requirement for all buildings in the district to comply with ever-increasing building energy performance standards and the programmatic support from the DC Sustainable Energy Utility, which VEIC operates, to help the low-income affordable housing sector meet those standards and bring them the resources that they need to do so. Really of preserving affordability, improving the housing stock, improving indoor air quality and the overall condition of these low-income multifamily buildings. So that's a great example of, of a new thing that's being done in a more traditional efficiency setting. A couple other examples, you know, one in, in Vermont, uh, we were recognized recently by ACEEE as the only program in the country that uses energy burden, which is the percent of a family's income going to its energy costs, as a qualification criterion for our low-income programs. So again, taking that efficiency program structure, that history, and modifying it to really focus on new needs, in this case, increasing equity and bringing more resources um, to families who face high energy burdens. In Maryland, through our consulting work, we've supported the People's Council in a long process with the utilities and other stakeholders to re-envision the goals of the Empower Maryland programs and pivot those to focus on greenhouse gas reduction as opposed to electricity savings. So that's very exciting. And then the last example I'll give is in California, where VEIC is a partner on a statewide initiative called Tech Clean California. And that initiative is working to decarbonize the heating sector through heat pump water heaters and base heating heat pumps and ensuring that 40% of the benefits of those programs go to underserved communities. So again, taking that traditional efficiency program structure, that delivery mechanism, and pivoting it to one, focus on decarbonization, but two, focus on equity and ensuring that benefits go to the people who need them most. So those are all great examples of, you know, how efficiency programs maybe started in a more traditional way, you know, doing lighting programs, doing direct install programs, and now are shifting to deliver more than just electricity, to bring those savings to communities that really need them, 
um, and to become a real greenhouse gas reduction tool for policymakers. Sure, and I have an equity question I want to follow up with. You know, at Energy Central, we've seen and we've had a number of utilities talk about successful ways of integrating energy efficiency programs into their practices. And I'm sure there's also frustrations with some communities that are falling behind. Can you speak to what happens when some of those efforts have fallen short? What tends to be the missing ingredient in those instances? Absolutely. And I think we all recognize how important equity is in everything that we do. And I'm very glad, you know, as a leader of a nonprofit organization that's been working in this space for 35 years, I'm very glad to see the attention that's being paid to equity today. I also won't deny that the regulatory environment is hard right now, right? Efficiency programs are being asked to do it all. Maintain high cost effectiveness without LED lighting. Do it while codes and standards are increasing and deliver more and more benefits to underserved communities. You know, that's a tough balance, but finding the right path is essential. If you care about climate, if you care about justice, if you care about the economy, you have to focus on equity and clean energy. And when I see efforts to better serve vulnerable communities falling short, it's usually due to two reasons. You know, first, the programs may not have the right consulting support to map out programs that meet these new goals. Right, the clean energy portfolio of the future is much more complex, and some you know consultants aren't really truly grounded in equity, and the, those efforts can fall short. So one is really like a planning shortfall, where the folks who are doing the planning and putting the portfolios together with the utilities or the other program administrators are not really grounded in in equity work and and not able to kind of create the portfolio that will balance all of those competing priorities. And then the second shortcoming I see is the programs themselves may not be connected enough to those vulnerable communities to know what their needs really are. You know, it's it's absolutely not enough to have a couple community meetings and then check the box thinking that, you know, you're good to go on your equity goal. That's not how it works. And in many instances, you know, there is a real sustained lack of trust between the energy program administrators and the underserved communities they're trying to reach. And without that trust, without going deep with those communities, finding community partners who will build bridges and make connections, programs are ultimately going to fail to reach the families and the business owners who need the benefits of clean energy the most. So I think that those are the things I would draw attention to and really encourage all program administrators to pay attention to, you know, is how are you integrating equity goals in your portfolio? What are the trade-offs that you're making as you plan out your portfolio? Um, and how connected are you to the community so that you understand the needs that are existing, you know how you're going to address them, and you have the partners deep within the communities that are going to help you reach the audiences that you need to reach. Rebecca, for our audience, you know, they come from the utility industry, but, but they may have no idea what's going on in the energy efficiency side of the business. So walk us through a use case of a successful integration or collaboration that you've had with the utility and how you get from the you know establishing of the efficiency goals to actually delivering them with customized programs and are there any steps standardized or is each new engagement with the utility completely unique yeah that's a great question and there is an example i would give from our work in vermont i guess i'll start back in 2019 when you know the legislature in vermont started asking efficiency vermont the program veic operates what we could do to better support the state's greenhouse gas reduction goals. And after you know, significant kind of dialogue and a policy shaping effort, 
in 2020, the legislature passed the Energy Efficiency Modernization Act. And this gave Efficiency Vermont the ability to administer pilot greenhouse gas reduction programs, and specifically in, in the transportation sector. So it opened up transportation sector to Efficiency Vermont. And that leveraged VEIC's existing expertise in clean transportation. And it enabled us to use the powerful Efficiency Vermont brand to increase electric vehicle adoption. So at the time, and still today, the Vermont electric utilities had existing electric vehicle incentives for customers. And we certainly did not want to duplicate efforts. You know, we knew a joint approach would be most effective. So the EIC worked with the utilities in Vermont to develop a supportive role, you know, for Efficiency Vermont to play. You know, basically asking the question, where are the gaps that exist in driving electric vehicle adoption? What is it that a statewide program like Efficiency Vermont could do that would provide benefits to and a boost to all of the specific distinct electric utility programs across the state? And where we landed after that dialogue and you know, deep consideration was implementing a statewide education and marketing campaign, and as well as offering training, charging infrastructure support, and sales incentives to vehicle dealers across the state. And so all of that work augments and enhances the direct-to-consumer incentives that are offered by the utilities. So the reason that's a good example, I think, is that you know we're always at VEIC focused on the goals, you know, asking what does the world need us to achieve, but we're also asking how can we get there most efficiently and equitably? You know, where are the influence points? Who are the potential partners? And how can we bring something new to the table? And so the process we use to go through that set of questions and to work through process from identifying the goals and making sure those are really grounded and clear and impactful to determining how we're going to address those goals, the process is fairly standardized. But each engagement does yield very different results, you know, especially when working at this cutting edge, especially when working with vulnerable communities, you know, when working on innovative products or services that have not been tried before. You know, the needs on the ground can be very different. The solutions can be very different. And there's no one size fits all. Those are great examples. And I feel like I could continue talking to you for another couple hours. I really appreciate that. But at this point, we have to pivot for a moment and go to what we call the lightning round, which gives our audience an opportunity to learn more about you, the person, as opposed to you, the CEO of VIC. So we have in our lightning round a series of questions that require either a one-word response or phrase. Rebecca, are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Given that you hail from Vermont, assuming you ski, are you a green circle, blue square, or a black diamond skier? <laughs> I do not ski. I'm, a, I'm an avid snowshoer, though. What's your favorite time of the year? Definitely fall. If you weren't working in energy, what might your career path have been? Probably sustainable economic development. Who are your role models? My grandparents, who grew up in eastern Tennessee and lived through the Depression because they had a tremendous conservation mentality and also an outstanding work ethic that I always work to try and emulate. What goals do you have left in your career? It's simple. I want to do as much good as I can for as long as I can in as many places as I can. Terrific. You've been a great player of our lightning round. And for being a great sport, that means you get the final word of the episode. So knowing that we have utility professionals from across the sector, 
listening in today's show, what's the main piece of information you hope they take away from our conversation today? The future is waiting and VEIC is here to help. Well said. Thank you for that, Rebecca. This has been a great conversation. I'm thrilled to learn more about this important focus on energy efficiency. And as I know, the energy central community will as well. I look forward to reading some of the questions and comments our listeners will have on energycentral.com. For now, we just want to thank you for sharing your insights with us on today's episode of the podcast. Thank you so much. It was great to be here. You can always reach Rebecca through the Energy Central platform where she welcomes your questions and comments. We also want to give a shout out of thanks to the podcast sponsors that made today's episode possible. Thanks to West Monroe. West Monroe works for the nation's largest electric, gas, and water utilities in their telecommunication, grid modernization, and digital and workforce transformations. West Monroe brings a multidisciplinary team that blends utility, operations, and technology expertise to address modernizing aging infrastructure, advisory on transportation electrification, ADMS deployments, data and analytics, and cybersecurity. And once again, I'm your host, Jason Price. Plug in and stay fully charged in the discussion by hopping into the community at energycentral.com, and we'll see you next time at the Energy Central Power Perspectives Podcast. <music>